Well, good morning, family. Good morning. I'm just saying, last service, um, people were still not awake, and I expected, I fully expected that you'd be fully awake by 11:20. So. <clears throat> What you just watched there was uh, a video put together that has uh, the, uh, the older generation are all um, retired missionaries with the Christian Missionary Alliance. And then those kids were, were kids in, in some of our Alliance churches, uh, kind of getting the young and the old perspective on who is Holy Spirit, right? And, uh, and, and as you know, if you've been around here for a while, uh, we, uh, over the last four weeks, have been waiting. We have been waiting for the arrival of the Spirit uh, as we read in the book of Acts. And, uh, and we all understand what it means to wait, right? You've, you've waited, no doubt, um, for sure. I, uh, I remember the long wait uh, that Stacy and I had uh, for our first child. And, and I don't just mean, when I say that, I don't just mean like the nine months previous, but I mean the long wait um, even once you know, contractions began. It was a monumentous long process for us to uh, finally bring our little girl into this world. Uh, Stacy, uh, by that time, was already about a week overdue. And uh, it was a Sunday night, you know, start Sunday, you know, like we you know, did church stuff. And that evening we decided to watch a movie. And so we watched the movie uh, Father of the Bride 2. How many of you have ever seen this movie? Okay, a few oldies here. Um, Father of the Bride 2, if you don't know, is about um, a mother and a daughter who are both pregnant and have their babies at the same time, right? And so I am not making this up. I'm not joking at all. Um, we get to the part of the movie where th- these two you know, women are now in labor and Stacy starts feeling contractions. It's like the power of suggestion. And, um, and so, you know, I mean, we're first time, you know, parents, and so we're, you know, your adrenaline starts pumping, and you're excited, and you're afraid, and so we call the hospital, and they say, wait, right, wait, wait until, you know, contractions are, you know, this far apart, just hold off, don't come in, and, and so we waited and we watched the rest of the movie right and then you know you know kind of later on in the evening we finally get to the place you know late in the evening or early in the morning that her contractions are where they're supposed to be we go into the hospital and and the moment we get sort of get in there and they sort of get her you know the room and all that kind of stuff everything stops it's like Emily was not ready to enter the world right and, uh, and so we just wait and wait a little bit longer. And then at some point in the middle of the night, uh, they, they gave Stacy something to induce, um, induce labor, right? Which is supposed to be like some like, pachow, like now you have the baby. And so they gave her this and nothing. And so the rest of the night, we're like awake, and she's like, you know, and, and just nothing's happening, nothing's happening. The next morning comes around. So, so remember, we started this on, on, on Sunday night, so now it's Monday morning, and, um, and still nothing is happening. And in fact, the nurse came to me and said, you should go home. Because, and get, go home, get some rest, because, uh, and, and come back this afternoon, because this is going to take a long time. Now, don't judge me here. 
But we, we had just moved into our, our house, and uh, it, was, it was almost finished. And, and that day, that Monday, they were supposed to come in and put in the lawn, and, and it was not ready. And so I left the hospital. I went home, grabbed a rake and a shovel, and I finished the lawn, got it all ready, took a shower, rushed back to the hospital. Nothing. So now we're, you know, Monday, you know, afternoon, and, uh, and, and wait a longer and longer and longer. Monday evening comes around. <clears throat> now by this point, it's been 36 hours into this process, and Stacy finally gets to the place where she, she begins to push, and she does so for the next about two and a half hours, and then finally, with the help of a suction cup, our little cone head came into this world, right? And, uh, and it felt like we had waited forever. But, but if you've been in this situation before, you know what happens. This incredible moment happens when all of the waiting, all of the anticipation, and all of the angst sort of melts away at the sight of that sweet, sweet little baby. And here's the first moment when she had just, just arrived and I uh, had the opportunity to hold her while they were working on Stacy. And it's like, <sighs> she's arrived. She's here. Waiting has been our theme for the last four weeks of this series that we're calling Family Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, you need to wait for the coming of my spirit, to be empowered by my spirit, just wait. And so for the last four weeks, we've been talking about waiting and what you do while you're waiting. <clears throat> and if you were here last week, you know that we sort of, I, I, I inserted another message into this series as we wait. And last week, we took an opportunity to get to know Holy Spirit a little bit more. Because I think that of the Father, Son, and Spirit, the Spirit is the one, even as you heard on that video, that many of us are like unsure, like, what? I, I don't know. And so we took some time last week to, to get to know Holy Spirit, and we took a look specifically at, at the Spirit's work in a person's life before they come to salvation in Christ, and at the moment of salvation, and then we looked at the Spirit's role as our helper after we come to faith in Jesus. And today, we are going to explore the long-awaited arrival of the Spirit's power on the day of Pentecost. So you have to wake up because we're talking about Pentecost, which is a pretty big deal in the history of the church. And so if you have a Bible, would you open up to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts, chapter 2. Finally, the waiting is over. Verse 1, here's what God's word says. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
I'm going to stop right there for now. Now, I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes I read through the Bible and I come to something and I think to myself, that's one of those moments in history that I wish I could have been there to witness. And this is one of those times, right? I wish I could have been one of the 120 to have seen and experienced this. Because we're going to talk about it today, but there's no way that as we talk about it, we're going to fully understand the significance and how miraculous and amazing that moment was. And as we look at it, I've sort of divided it into kind of what happened that day. And so the first thing I want us to look at is the gathering. The gathering. This incredible event begins with these words. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They were gathered together and they were waiting, just as Jesus had told them. Now, if you missed last week, I mentioned what Pentecost is, right? Because it says, on the day of Pentecost, they were all waiting, right? Um, And here's what Pentecost is. Pentecost was an annual Jewish celebration where they would come together and they would celebrate um, the the wheat harvest, right? It was was just kind of a regular thing. Every year, this was a a gathering of people and they would come together and they would celebrate that God had provided another harvest, and, and, and later on, it also became known as a day that they would celebrate um, the day that God gave the commandments to the nation of Israel, right? And so it's sort of like this dual thing, and every year they would come together on the day of Pentecost. By the way, Pentecost is the Greek word for 50th, because Pentecost fell 50 days after Passover, which was another, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the Jewish celebrations, And so it was this day. They're all gathered together. They're celebrating this day of Pentecost, the 50th day after the Passover. And the Bible tells us that Jesus' followers were gathered together, 120 of them to be exact, according to chapter 1, verse 15. And they were gathered in one place. We don't know exactly what that place was or or where it was. Um, Some wonder, I wonder, if this was the same place, the same upper room where they had gathered to celebrate the Last Supper, Passover, with Jesus. I wonder if it's the same place where Jesus came and showed up after his resurrection and revealed himself to them. I don't know for sure. It doesn't tell us. All we know is that they were all there, 120 men and women, waiting and expecting the baptism of Holy Spirit as Jesus had promised. That's the gathering. 120 people, followers of Jesus, waiting as Jesus asked, anticipating, expecting something to happen. Now let's look at the arrival. Luke tells us that on that morning of Pentecost, there was suddenly a sound from heaven that was like a mighty rushing wind that came and filled the place. We've all experienced, you know, wind before, obviously, and maybe you've even been in your house and you've opened the door and you've felt this sudden gust of wind that's come in before. I don't know exactly what it's like, but, but the picture that it paints for us is the first thing that gave them an idea that the Spirit was here was a sound. It was the sound of this rushing wind. It's interesting that that was the first thing because 
this is not the first time in Scripture that um, the Spirit is um, compared to wind. Uh, all throughout Scripture, we see different sort of metaphors or pictures to help us sort of see and understand what God is like. And wind is one of those that is often associated with the Spirit. In fact, in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, Ezekiel was a prophet. And Ezekiel, directed by God, was seeing and prophesying to the wind to blow on these dry bones in this valley. And according to this vision that he had, directed by God, as he looked out over these dry bones, this valley it's called of dry bones, the, the wind, the breath of God came and filled them and brought them to life and filled them with new life. And that was called the, the breath of God. So the very first thing that happens is they hear the arrival of the Spirit and then the Bible says they see tongues of fire that came on each one of them. Again, I have no idea what this was like. Was it a fire like they had seen before or was it some kind of different flame? I don't know. We just know that they see something. And without a doubt, this is no normal wind or fire. This was the presence of God made audible and visible. How awesome is that? And this was predicted. This was foretold by John the baptizer, right? John said that there would come a day when there would be a baptism of the Spirit and of fire. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John answered them saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I love fire. And I don't know what it was like. I just know this, that they had been waiting and waiting, and then all of a the sudden there was the sound of wind and the sight of fire landing on each one of them. Finally, 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 their waiting was over. The Spirit had arrived in a miraculous and powerful way. And then verse 4 says this. They were all filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit had gave them, gave them utterance. They hear, they see flame, and then all of a sudden, all 120 of them at the same time the Bible says, are filled with the Spirit. Now, let me, just, let me just remind you of something I talked about last week because I don't want you to misunderstand what's happening here. The Bible tells us in John chapter 20 that he breathed on his disciples and they received the Spirit in, in a very similar way as when you and I come to faith in Jesus, the Bible says you receive the Spirit. The Spirit lives in you and there is a work of the Spirit where you are filled in fact, the Bible says that you are to be filled over and over and over and over again. And in this moment, the Bible says that all 120 of them were filled with the Spirit. And as the Spirit filled them in this particular situation, they were given the miraculous ability to speak in languages that they had never learned before. It was 
a miraculous arrival of the Spirit. Now, I just want to make a note here, because as you read this, you might go, well, what exactly is going on here? I see what's happening here on this day of Pentecost as different than the gift of tongues that we read about elsewhere in Scripture, such as 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Maybe you've heard about that before. Maybe that's a mysterious reality to you. A little bit later on in this series, we'll unpack these gifts of the Spirit. We'll take a look at a gift like the gift of tongues. But I don't think that's what's happening here. I think what happened at Pentecost is unique and different. And here's why. Because Paul teaches that the spiritual gift of tongues requires the spiritual gift of interpretation. In other words, it's a language that is unknown and there needs to be a spiritual gift to make it known. But clearly what's happening on the day of Pentecost is that they are speaking a language that is known and it's known by all kinds of people who have gathered from around the world who speak different languages. And all of a sudden they hear their own language being spoken. Right? We're going we're gonna to read a little bit more about that in just a minute. But I think that there's something different going on here. This is not what I see and understand as the gift of tongues. This is the Spirit has arrived and filled them and in that moment gave them the supernatural ability to say some things in some other languages they'd never learned to communicate the works of God in their own languages. But before we get there, what I don't want us to miss is this awesome an amazing way that God kept his promise to empower them with the Spirit. See, Jesus earlier in John chapter 16 said to his disciples, I'm not going to leave you alone. Listen, you're not going to be alone, but I do need to leave. And, And in fact, you want me to. It's better that I leave because when I do, you will receive the helper because you can't do this on your own. You will not be able to follow me. You will not be able to fulfill what I've asked you to do to fulfill your purpose in life without my power. And so I'm going to leave, but it's a good thing because you need this helper. You need the Spirit to fill and empower you to follow me and to fulfill my purpose for your life. And, And so when you look at the day of Pentecost, in some ways it was a very unique event. right? We don't read anything else in Scripture that was exactly like this. It was a unique event. It was the first time that Jesus' followers were baptized, the Bible says, or filled with the Spirit in power. It's the first time. So it's kind of a unique event in that way. However, I want to remind you of what I said last week, that what happened that day was not a one-time event. I think it's easy to read this and go, well, that was kind of weird. And that's sort of a, that was like a unique one-time thing. It never will happen again. That's not true because we're going to f- discover as we walk through Acts that over and over and over again, we see these same people experiencing a fresh filling of God's Spirit and empowering to live the life of following Jesus and to be bold witnesses for him. And so, yes, this event was unique, but it was not a one-time event. In fact, the ability to be filled with the Spirit and power is not just something that happened in the Bible back then, but something for us today, that God wants to give you the strength and the power to live this life. 
In other words, let me just say it this way. The method of how the Spirit filled them was unique, but the miracle of his empowering is still essential today. The method was unique, but the miracle is just the same, and we still need it. The Spirit continues to fill and empower believers to this day because we cannot follow Jesus on our own. And some, some of us maybe have tried. You received the indwelling of the Spirit when you came to faith in Jesus, but you've tried to live this life on your own without the constant filling of the Spirit and of power. So here's what happens. There's a gathering, 120, waiting, anticipating, expecting the Spirit to arrive. And then we have the arrival. The Spirit arrives. Sound of wind, the the sight of fire. They're filled and they're given the supernatural ability to speak in another language. And then let's look finally at the impact. How did this impact the world at that time? Let's read on. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Ferga and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. In other words, they're drunk. The Bible tells us that Jewish people from distant lands had traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. It was a regular thing, you know, where people would sort of make a pilgrimage. They would travel to Jerusalem where they're going to celebrate this um, this, did I say Passover? I said the wrong thing. Pentecost, sorry. I, all of a sudden I thought, I think I just said the wrong thing. They were celebrating the festival of Pentecost. They were all in town. And this was a kind of a regular thing. So throughout the year, when there were these festivals or these feasts, the, the city of Jerusalem would just swell with population. People from all over the place would gather around. That's what's happening. There are people everywhere. And they have come from distant lands to celebrate. Now, we don't, know, we don't know if the place where those 120 were gathered was somehow able to be seen by the public, or, or like it was open in some way, or if those 120 left that place and went out in the streets. We don't know for sure. All we know is that people heard them and a crowd gathered, right? We know that for sure. When I was in high school, some of you have maybe heard me say a little piece of this. When I was in high school, um, <clears throat> I, I spent a couple of summers traveling with a mission group called Royal Servants. 
And, uh, and what we would do is a bunch of students would go and travel around Europe, and we would, um, we would like, you know, do some drama stuff, some singing things, and we would, you know, share the, the good news about Jesus. And we, like, for two and a half months, so two years in a row when I was 16 and 17, I spent my entire summer traveling around doing this. And, um, and I was a part of our drama team. And because in my teenage years, I was... Um, I was rather Gregorious. I was a very different personality, honestly, than I am today. I was very, very um, outgoing and zealous. And, um, and because of that, I was sort of nominated as the guy to gather the crowd. Right? So, so we would be traveling around to different places, uh, campgrounds, street corners, right downtown in the middle of you know, London, all over Europe. We would be in places, and, and we, we'd like set up a little sound system, and we would you know, do these drama things and these songs, and we would share the gospel of Jesus. And, uh, but we needed to gather a crowd, and I was the guy. So day in and day out, usually a couple times a day, all summer long, two years in a row, I had the job of getting a crowd. <clears throat> which, frankly, is not that hard to do. All you need to do is wear torn-up clothing, wrap yourself in chains, and scream at the top of your lungs as you writhe on the ground. It's easy. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I, I was trying to find a picture, and I, I don't know if I don't have a digitizer. I couldn't find it, but I did that. I had these clothes that were just all torn up. I wrapped literal chains all around me and I would run through the street or the campground wherever we were at and I would be screaming at the top of my lungs still to this day my voice I lose it very quickly don't do this kids it will ruin your voice um and uh and then I would fall on the ground and I would begin writhing around and that was the beginning of this little kind of like drama skit thing but every time I drew a crowd Right, uh, people would instantaneously gather around me. Sometimes police with them, and and then once the crowd was there, we would start, and we be, we begin sharing. Our drama would start, and our music would start. That was my job: gather a crowd. And so it's not hard for me to read this story and imagine a hundred and twenty people, a hundred and twenty of them boldly speaking out and proclaiming the works of God in different languages, it's not surprising to me that this drew a crowd. And it did. And in that diverse crowd, there were people from all over, the Bible says, who spoke different languages. And miraculously, each of them heard their own native dialect being spoken. It was a miracle. The Bible says that the people were amazed and astonished. And they said, how are these Galileans, which was kind of a dig on them, how are these uneducated folks able to know our languages? The way I read that, that they were amazed by this, they were astonished, it tells me something, that they realized that this was something unusual, that this was supernatural that was happening And the Bible tells us that the Spirit enabled them to speak the mighty works of God in each person's different language. 
Now, I don't, it doesn't say what exactly they said, what they were speaking, but I imagine based on what had just happened in history that part of what they were speaking was about Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And for the very first time, people are hearing the good news about Jesus spoken in their own language. It was the initial and partial fulfillment of what Jesus had said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 where he said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It was a miraculous work of the Spirit to begin the mission of taking the good news of Jesus to every tribe and every tongue. Right there, in that moment, it was being fulfilled in part. In fact, if you look at the list, that crazy list of names that I read off a few minutes ago of all those different lands and all those different countries, all those different people who had gathered there, if you, look, if, you, if you put that on a map and you look at all those different places, you realize that they spread out north, south, east, and west from Jerusalem all over the place. And it was like a fulfillment of what Jesus had said would happen. On that day, people from many, many nations heard the truth about God, spoken in their heart language. So the question then is this. How did that impact the crowd, right? I mean, this amazing thing is happening. A crowd is gathered. They're around these people. They're speaking in their different languages. And what is the impact that this had? As they witnessed the demonstration of the Spirit's power and the Spirit's presence. Well, the Bible tells us what the reaction was, the impact was. It tells us that there were two different reactions in the crowd that day. First, verse 12 tells us that most of the people were amazed and perplexed. And in fact, they asked each other, what does this mean? What does this mean? And from the way that's worded, it appears that they understood that something of God was happening. That it was far from ordinary. And as they were amazed, it evoked the question, what does this mean? And I, I understand that to mean this. They're seeing what's happening. They're hearing the good works of God being proclaimed in their own language. And they're saying, what does this mean for me? What does this mean? There was this overwhelming astonishment and amazement it says what does this mean for me that was part of the impact some were amazed it caused them to ask deep probing personal questions but according to verse 13 others mocked them they saw this happening they saw this crowd, they saw these people speaking in different languages, and they concluded, you must be drunk. Hmm. These were the people who were unaffected by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that day. Some were amazed, others mocked. They were unaffected. They saw something happening that they didn't understand. They saw something happening that they didn't believe and so they mocked it. On that incredible day, the waiting finally ended. <sighs> the Spirit has arrived in an amazing way. Now, I hope you realize 
that this is relevant for our lives today. You might be listening to this and going, Jim, that's, that's a great history lesson. Yeah, this happened long, long, long time ago. That's crazy and kind of cool and amazing. But, but I, I need you to hear this. If you are a follower of Jesus today, this is relevant to your life because you have been given the Spirit and you have been called to be filled and filled and filled again by the power and the presence of his spirit. This is relevant to your life. And here's what I wonder. Here's what I wonder. What is your response to what the spirit did that day? As you listen to this, as we just walk through this gathering of these 120 people and the sound of wind and the sight of fire and the filling of the Spirit and speaking in these languages they didn't know, this miraculous thing happens. When you hear that, just now, as we've talked about it, how does your heart respond? Do you find yourself feeling amazed? Like, do you hear that and go, that's amazing? That's wonderful. That's, God, you are awesome. Like many in the crowd that day. Is that your response? Does it fill you with faith and with a desire to walk in the fullness and the power of Holy Spirit? Does it? Or, if you're honest, do you find yourself feeling skeptical? <laughs> That's weird. Or cautious. Or fearful. Some people read Acts 2 and it causes them to fear the Spirit and to say in their heart, don't ever do anything like that to me. Right? Some in the crowd that day were not amazed and they missed. They missed it. They missed the power and the presence of the Spirit of God. So I guess my question as we kind of bring this to a close today is how will we respond a couple thousand years later? How will we respond, how will you respond to the arrival of the Spirit? The same Spirit who is alive and well today and seeking to fill and empower believers. And let me remind you that as the Spirit continues to do that today, the method may be different, but the miracle is the same. The method of how the Spirit fills is different. In fact, we read it all through Scripture. There were times when individuals on their own were filled with the Spirit and empowered with boldness to speak about Jesus. And there were other times in God's plan that a whole group of them we're all filled at the same time and empowered to be bold in following Jesus. The method changes, but the miracle is the same. The filling and the empowering of the Spirit. Empowering for life and for mission. And so I want to make sure that you hear this. That the promise that Jesus made when he told his disciples to wait, the promise is for you if you're a follower of Jesus. If you've come into relationship with Jesus and asked him to be your Savior and your Lord, 
you need to realize that you have received the Spirit and His promise of filling and empowering is for you. It wasn't just for them then. It is for you now. The Spirit will provide all that you need to do all that Jesus has asked of you. Isn't that awesome? Some of us in this room, you have come to faith in Jesus, you've received the Spirit, but you have maybe never asked the Spirit to fill you afresh, to empower you. And so you have tried to just meander your way through your faith, trying to do it on your own, in your own strength, in your ah. In scripture, I love this picture. It says that we are to walk in step with the Spirit. That's the, that's the life of a follower of Jesus, is to walk in step with the Spirit. And I, I, I'm afraid that sometimes we all, myself included, sometimes I fall behind or I run ahead and try and do it on my own. And yet the calling is to walk in step with the Spirit. And part of walking in step with the Spirit is being filled over and over and over again with his power to live this life. But some of us have never even asked to be filled. And I can't do this on my own. I need you. And so I want to end the service today by praying, as we did last week, and ask him to fill you if that's your desire. Would you stand up with me? That was an incredible day. I still wish, I still wish that I could have been there. I wish I could have been one of the 120 and seen and experienced what God was doing in that moment as the Spirit filled them and empowered them. I can't do that, but what I do know is this, is that same Spirit who did that on that day is still at work in the lives of believers. I can still come and say, would you fill me? Would you empower me to do what you've asked me to do? And he will. Over and over and over. Because that filling, that filling, it, it, we just don't stay full. <laughs> For whatever reason, we need to continue to rely on and depend on the strength and the power of the Spirit. And so I want to end the service today by praying for you. Maybe some of you in this room, um, you were here last week and you responded. There was a sweet kind of time that we had down here of responding. And you said, yes, I, I desire that. I, I, I don't want to try and live this life in my own strength. And maybe some of you, where you weren't here or maybe you were kind of observing and watching and going, I don't know. But... Perhaps today the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and saying, you're my child, my Spirit lives in you, and I want to fill you afresh. I want to fill you afresh so that you will have the power to do what I'm going to ask you to do tomorrow or the rest of today. So would you just bow your heads with me and pray? I just want to ask because I want to pray for you and I just want to kind of know, is there anybody in this room who's saying, I'm hearing this and I'm sensing the Spirit of God ask me to say, yes, I'm willing. I want, I desire a fresh 
filling of the Spirit. I don't want to try and do this on my own. If that's you and you just go, I, I desire that. I want the Spirit to fill me afresh. Would you just stick your hand up? Because I just want to pray for you at the end of this service. Awesome. Okay. My hand's up too because I desire that. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for the individuals in this room right now that you see, you, you don't just see their hand. More importantly, you see their hearts. And what you see are hearts who are hungry, who desire, who want a fresh filling of your spirit, who desire the empowering of your spirit to live this life, to, to have the strength to say no to the things that we no longer want to do and to have the boldness to speak of you and to not shrink back. To follow you, Jesus, we need your strength. And so I pray for each individual who's indicated that in this place. I pray, Holy Spirit, as you see their desire and their hunger, I pray that you'd meet them right there. And as you've done many, many times, countless times, throughout history. I pray that you'd fill individuals right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill these hearts with a fresh understanding of your love. I pray that there might be some people in this room right now who would, who would feel a sense of, of reassurance because, Spirit, that's what you do, that they are your children. I pray that you'd fill individuals with an overwhelming sense of your love for them right now. And I pray, Father, for you, for you to pour out your spirit and power on these individuals, that they would have power beyond themselves to follow you, that they'd have power beyond themselves to be bold witnesses for you. And Lord, I know from my own life and from Scripture that there are times when we might feel and sense that you have done something inside of us. And, and if, if you're doing that even right now in this room, I thank you for that. But I also know there are times in my own life when I've asked and I know that you've heard that prayer and you've filled me, but there was no feeling associated with that. And so for those of us who don't feel anything, I pray that we would walk by faith, believing that you've heard and that you've filled and that you will enable us and empower us to do all you've asked us to do today. Spirit, thank you. Thank you. We celebrate that day, that amazing day that the wind blew and fire fell on individuals, and they were filled with you and empowered to begin the mission. And I pray that you do that in us. Fill us afresh. Remind us of the mission that you've called us on. And I pray that you renew and revive this church in our hearts. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, family. It's so good to spend some time with you today. And next weekend, we're going to be seeing what happens after Pentecost and baptizing some people next week. God bless you. Have a great week.